This podcast is brought to you by our funders, Building Better Homes, Towns and Cities and Puranga Kura Māori Research Centre. E te tī, e te tā, nau mai piki mai ki tēnei i pāho ara ko he whare mō wai. In this episode, it features the mana wahine Inez White, who is a specialist in Māori land and home ownership. She is the creator of Whatukainga, a program that supports first home buyers and is here to share with us some financial advice for those wanting to buy their own home. She also shares with us a little bit about her own housing experiences and how she came to be so knowledgeable about home ownership. Tēnā are are taringa mai. Tēnā koutou e are are taringa mai ki tēnei i pāho ara ko he whare mō wai. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our listeners to this podcast which is about uh, exploring rangatahi pathways to secure kainga or papakainga or housing uh, and whatever that means to you. So today I am so excited um, to introduce our guest today, the amazing Tudor teacher, super mama, uh, mana wahine and extraordinaire Inez White who is the founder of Indigenuity uh, Limited. Um, no Tainui, Te Arua me Ngāti Porau, and we are just so fortunate um, to have her on our pa- podcast today to talk about her journey to secure home ownership and about her mahi to support whānau, and I found this mission statement on the page, to navigate whānau to become homeowners and live on their own land through digital knowledge. I don't know about you, but that gives me tingles up my <laughs> spine. So, um, tēnā koe e hoa. Thank you for joining us today. Tēnā whakamohio mai kō wai koe nō whia koe. Tēnā koe pānia. Uh, koe nez, te reiti tāku ingoa, uh, ko te arawa te waka, ko Ngāti Pakaue me Ngāti Pike Aungu Iwi, uh, ko Rotorua tōku kāinga. Um, he māma hau, uh, E noho ana hau kei wei nui o mata, uh, ki te upoko o te ika, uh, tēnā koe. Tēnā koe, nau mai. Um, so, we're really honoured to have you on our podcast today. And um, our, right off the back of our kōrero, can you describe to us what your current housing or living circumstances are? Ka um, So, I have, I live in our home and our family home as in my my two children my three children and myself and my husband we live in Wainui Omata which is part of Lower Hutt in Wellington um, I have Whenua Māori my, our whānau homestead in Ohinematsu where my mother's from and I own part of that house as well um, I own a commercial property a shop with a two-bedroom apartment at the back of it in the middle of Rotorua that was my home I bought for myself and my two children when I was a um, single mum, mm. just starting my business, Indigenuity. And I think that, oh, and we have a block of whenua in um, Murupara. And what else? That's that's it for right now. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Um, can you tell us what um, was it that inspired you to pursue uh, home ownership yeah. and to create this amazing housing portfolio um what inspired me to go into home ownership is like a business as a specialization um i think about seven years ago was i come in a couple of directions so professionally i'm a property valuer a registered and practicing property valuer i started that career in 2006 in australia in melbourne mm-hmm. australia and the Australians taught me everything I need to know about the industry, about um, being a valuer for the banks, mm. which is part of the system of getting a home loan and being able to buy um, houses, right? Mm. So I learned professionally from there, 
And then I returned and I went to university in Melbourne. So I learnt those skills. Now, what brought me home was actually I learnt about a fella called Eddie Mabo, which is um, a native indigenous mm. person from the um, Mur- The famous Mabo case. That's it, by... man. He inspires me to the bone. But uh, that case of how they were able to, um, you know, take claim to their whenua again so that it wasn't owned by the Queen of England inspired me. And I went, I've learnt these skills here in Australia and about this case, I need to go home and see if I can practice any of these, this knowledge and this case law in New Zealand. So that was that professional journey. But for me personally, I grew up, my mother's from Ohinemutsu, the mm-hmm. papakainga there. She's Ngāti Pakaue. Um, my kuroa, my kuia, her parents have never lived anywhere except for Ohinemutsu. She grew up in their, um, their whānau home from my mother, her, my grandmother's side. Um, so my mum's a pa girl. Mm. My father's from Mauria, the papakainga over um, Ngātwain, Te Tākinga Marae. And again, his, that land is his mother's, um, was his mother's, and her father and way back, you know. So my whānau through both sides hadn't actually experienced home ownership from a Pākehā sense. It was all um, taugatukuiho, you know, inherited land. And so what inspired me was because whilst they both grew up knowing Papa Kainga through the bone, right, mm. there's a point where I, I actually became quite distressed later in life um, in the last 10 years when I noticed that if the Papa Kainga is full, where do you go? Do you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if the homestead is already being lived in and all the mokopuna start to come about and become adults, where do you go? You actually end up outside having to find a rental mm. or a home for yourself. But because you're from Papakainga, you don't have those skills to hustle. Mm. As you know, it's a hustle to get into the um, finance game, to get a home loan, to buy a home. So I watched my parents who were educated, worked hard, good people, and in their 50, late 50s and 60s were struggling to find their own homes. Mm. Does that make sense? And I remember thinking, how can this happen? And I was like, I never want to see anybody else who are papakainga people or Māori in our own homes uh, on our own whenua rent and be tenants. Mm. It just doesn't make sense. Tangata whenua means you have to have whenua, some mm. sort of connection to it. Absolutely. And mm. it's one of the things that I've loved um, watching your journey um, and your mahi <laughs> and that whole notion, you know, riffing off um, our mare, kura whina, kupa's catch cry, not one more acre. Yeah. And your kaupapa being about buying, um, you know, one acre of our whenua, reclaiming one acre at a time Aye. through financial literacy, through yeah. home ownership, returning back to our papakainga. So I love that you mentioned that, you know, you saw, after being inspired by the precedent of the Mabo, famous Mabo case, yeah. for those of you listening, go and research it. It is amazing. So much learnings in that has set a um, precedent for Indigenous communities yeah. globally. Um, and you know, that inspired you then seeing the issues that were happening back here in Aotearoa, mm. inspiring you to return back. And so how or what ways that did you practically see yourself supporting Fano through those issues of not being able to return back to their papakainga or to their homesteads Aye. because they were, were full? Aye. Um, I think come 2016, I'd been home for about two years from Australia. And I was working for a mainstream valuation company, that Parker company, right? And um, I wasn't satisfied because I was hearing things, not just in that company, but in the industry. Things like, um, you can't, we can't teach too many people to be homeowners who will be the tenants? Mm. <laughs> because in context, in Rotorua, where 40% of the people are Māori, I was going out doing valuations, but the customers were not my people. The tenants were my people. We're Ngāti Whakaue. 
in Kotsu, which is traditionally our neighbourhood, it's it's general land, but it's still papakainga. Mm. They were the tenants, but the buyers were Australians mm. or they were Aucklanders. And I was like, this is, if, if I'm not, am I allowed to use this word, kūpapa? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was not born to be kūpapa, man. <laughs> you know, and here I am helping other people displace my own. Yeah. So I left. And I was just like, you just have to make a choice. You can't make money from, from dirty business. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, left and disappointed my family members. I remember them going, you're doing what? You know, leaving a prestigious company to do this fanciful idea. Mm. But I was like, well, at least my hands won't be dirty, you know. Well, you're at least not legitimising yeah. the processes in which have displaced Yes. Tangata whenua from their own whenua or yeah. marginalised them yeah. or alienated them from their whenua. That's inspirational. It is not right to work and do professions that displace us. Yeah. Right. So uh, that was really how it started was I was trying to maintain a principle, but then next I had to make an income from my slums and right? Because yeah. um, I would also got separated at the at the same time right a bit too much change I think mm -hmm. I might have been doing but I was inspired because I was like okay I'll start off by what can I do now that's free as as many people will know starting a business on your own doesn't mean you have customers lining up mm -hmm. but I thought well if I'm doing nothing why not teach something for free and I said well put out on a Facebook panui you know I'll teach you 12 weeks of how to buy a home um, the correct way, simple way of doing it. And people started turning up from oh, Waima, Te Puke, um, Ruatahuna. And I was just, that was on a Thursday night, which is the late night Rotorua for the market. And I thought people can come and have a kai and then they can come and um, listen and see if we can um, share knowledge, right? Like that, yeah. So that's how I started. That's how I thought there's there's something. Okay, if I'm going to leave so that I'm not displacing our people, then I might as well do this business on the basis of trying to share. Yeah. That's amazing. And especially like overcoming the setbacks or criticisms that Fano or others may have had of you leaving yeah. a you know, well-paid job, yeah. having job security, yeah. income security for a dream or to pursue your aspiration. Yeah. And as we know, you've worked with Tupuni Kōkere, you work with many um, whānau trusts and, mm. uh, you know, run these amazing um, courses online, whānau who are listening. When I first, um, you know, was looking into home ownership or, you know, wanting to return back to my papakainga, one of the first things that I came across, across was your website. Mm -hmm. And then I jumped on the clean banking um, course to learn about financial literacy and how we have to have really clean um, statements for three months. And it was just an eye-opener. And for those listening, if you are wanting to find a really great course, I would highly uh, recommend you look up Indigenuity and jump on one of the courses because they're so relatable oh, and thanks. so easy um, to follow. But just going back to your corridor, mm. you know, and inspirational when you left your mahi to pursue your business. Would you say at the time you had already owned uh, a whare before doing that? Or? Yeah, I'd owned a couple. Wow. And I hope it's okay to share on here, but a couple that didn't go well either. Um, what do you think? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, mainly because I... So I'd owned a couple of homes. Um, my dad helped me buy my first one when I was 20. Mm. So I was at, um, I went to university in Palmerston North at Massey. And I remember right back then I was doing the numbers. I was like, it doesn't make sense. Me and my flatmates pay $250 for a house, a student house. And I did some numbers, real simple. And houses were going for about 100 grand in Palmerston North, 115,000. I remember going divided by, you know, okay, this should be pretty cheap. And it was about $150 a week repayments for a mortgage versus um, paying rent. So I asked my dad if he'd help and he put in 10000 for a deposit. And then me, I moved in and then I had a couple of flatmates. And it was real simple stuff like that. Mm. 
that was my first one. Um, and what was that like, achieving your first home at 20? Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it changed. It's, I've heard, I think, that fellow Harvey, Steve Harvey say, always book business class when you fly. Mm. After that, you'll never want to go back to economy. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never go back yeah. to economy and because you'll, you'll know the difference. Mm. Well, that's the difference. Mm. I've never rented since then. Wow. Um, no matter how much I struggle, I and I've struggled, sometimes all my money has gone onto a mortgage. Mm. But being able to hang something on the wall because it's yours or have a dog or... Mm. Or afi other people and let them live under your roof as a ruruho, you know, whare ruruho. All of that comes with home ownership. Mm. Renting, someone always has their finger on you. Um, I'm not belittling renting, it's what we have to do, but that's how it changed me. Yeah. Yeah. So give you kind of some of that independence and mana motuhake. Mana motuhake. Your own yeah. decisions with your whare. Yeah. yeah, no matter what it's like. Yeah. Do you think that, because at the time, were you studying valuations at Massey? No, I wasn't. Oh. I was doing animal science and wow. agricultural science, right? <laughs> Man, life success on yeah. amazing journeys, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so come a few years later, I ended up in um, Melbourne, yeah. Australia, uh, with my, my tāne at the time. Mm. And um, I was working for real estate agent and then took I got taken on by a... Um, evaluation company so that's where the skills started I was about 23 and we bought our first house in Melbourne where we built our and you still house. had the Whare and Palm, Palmerston yeah still had the Whare and Palmerston yeah. and we built the house in Melbourne long story short ended up back home in Rotorua and bought a house there wow. cash so all of these both of those ones turned sour so Essentially, I have the flip side, both sides of experience and property. Mm. Um, what would you say yeah. some of those challenges were? Relationships. Oh, yeah. So I teach now, I teach people now to find out what their tanifa is. Like, what's this problem that travels through life with you? Mm. And mine is relationships, not money, not career, not education, not skills, but no matter what I achieved with my homes and whare, I'd undo them because of not really having my relationship skills mm. um, intact. So that's my own personal quirk, but they both ended up almost um, mortgagee sales. Rather than not being able to afford them, they were other things like relationship, mm. property law and stuff like that. And so ta yeah. taking those learnings, yeah. what kind of tools have you put in place to uh, mitigate yeah. some of those challenges? Kapai, thank you for the question because people underestimate how important these particular tools are. Mm. Um, one of the main tools is I, I figured if these problems that I have with my tāne uh, and relationships throughout life, I need to address them. I need to stop focusing just on uni and money skills because I obviously have those, but I just started doing um, relationship, learning about how to have healthy relationships, learning about contracting out mm. agreements, which is a prenup, you know? Yeah. Um, Contracting out, even yeah, prenups. yeah. <laughs> they call it prenups overseas, but here in Aotearoa, yeah. they call it contracting out agreements. Mm. They cost about. I'm going to say the advice and drafting up is anywhere, but depends on how well you get on. Fifteen hundred dollars to four thousand. Mm -hmm. Going into new relationships, it's see it as an investment mm. of trust you may not ever use it again mm. it's basically just saying if we have problems this is how we will deal with our property and our money mm. if we separate this and you, you're preempting it so i now have that plus i actively invest my time and energy into learning about how to get on with my tāne <laughs> actually i'm going to be real upfront for rangatahi practice that straight away don't Most just buy a yeah. Don't just have a girlfriend or a boyfriend mm. and buy a fare and think we'll sort it out. The most it's it's the greatest way to lose money in your home is is to not know how to manage your relationships. 
So it's planning. It's planning, man. Financial planning, yep. risk mitigating. Yep. We put insurance in place for the house. Mm. We put insurance in place for the mortgage. And then we don't put insurance in place or assurance in place for the relationship, but you have to. Oh, and I think that goes across the board, whether you're yeah. going into um, Kainga with your your partners, your hubbies, your wifeys, um, girlfriends and boyfriends, or even your siblings and your, or your parents. And 100% put five in place for that one. Yeah. But <laughs> I have ten in place for... No, I'm joking, but I wish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's... I think that's a really valuable point for um, our listeners. Yeah. You know, risk mitigating, planning ahead, um, foresight. You have experience in working, you know, owning whare with significant others, yeah. but also with your whanau. And that whanau, adds in yeah. other dynamics, right? Yes. But what is, what is that like for you? A full-time job. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm not being funny. I literally, if I, I could probably... Uh, make a full-time job out of mitigating risk with whānau members, maintaining relationships. Um, hmm, what is that like? Like I literally, I, 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 I allot time to appear in the Māori Land Court. Mm. I allot time to have meetings with my whānau who, who live in my homes. <laughs> mm. um, and I allot time to sitting down with my tāne. Um, to make sure that we're running smoothly because it's I could probably put a number on it and say 10 to 15 hours a week wow. yeah it, but it might be like three months all in one go mm. whānau stuff is taking up yeah. all the time and that's important huh? yeah. especially we're going to get into this in a, in a second I think yeah. around the papakainga journey because you're massive on that I think your name is also synonymous with papakainga developments <laughs> but um the time that we invest in Alfano, the pre-planning um, yeah. before the builds, before grant applications, financing, everyone says that has been through that journey that you have to invest that time in yes. your Alfano and working out the master planning, um, the vision. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of us have underestimated that who have been through that journey and yeah. why we've been hindered or challenged in our Papakainga journeys with Valfano is because we didn't invest that Aye. that time. Yes. And TPK and the Māori Land Court know that too well. Mm. So um you know you mentioned you you put in about 15, 10 to 15 hours a week mm-hmm. on that. What are some other tools or suggestions that you would give to Vano Rangatahi who are looking to pursue um Papakainga on Fano own land? Hapai. Now that I've come through those negatives that I've talked about, and then I've also experienced the same in the Whenua Māori space and with my my families um, and managing our whānau assets and things, don't take this lightly when I say you need to do things methodically. And um, one of those methods I use is three by three. So when you're communicating to whānau, communicate in three different ways. So that's a Facebook post, a letter, an email, um, an advertisement in the newspaper. Okay, and do that three times, Mm. three months apart. (laughs) So invest a whole year or nine months or 12 months into telling whānau what what you want to do. And be patient, don't shortcut that. Because you'll be turned right back around, whether that's uh, by the Māori link or even not with Whenua Māori, but by the whānau. You know what I mean? You think you're going fast, next minute somebody will go, go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. So be methodical about talking to family. Write things down. um, Write things down. And also don't... One of the big things I've always said to people, if you want to get your way, you have to actively write into it what's in it for other people. Mm. And people think, oh, but we're whānau. 
but not at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I know, right at the last yeah. minute, everybody starts doing their numbers and they go, hang on, that doesn't match up for me. Mm. I don't know if I feel like being your auntie right now yeah. or your uncle right now, you know, when you're talking. <laughs> yeah. So I always say things like, oh, we can get into it in other parts, but yeah, be methodical, yeah. include people include people in your process and allow nine months to a year as fast whenever you're doing anything with Fano. Absolutely. And I've seen that through my uh, my own experience too, is when Fano don't feel included in yeah. the vision or in the process, then mm. they're likely to be more resistant oh, yes. to the kaupapa. So if we're looking at a papa kainga staged approach, yeah. would you say then that's step number one, Fano engagement? 100%. Yeah. Without, without outcome, as in... People can kind of smell it and mm. sense it when you're being inclusive with something at the end. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I know I know having a goal is important, but for the first part, invest by simply allowing people to talk. And does that make sense? Absolutely, because you know, and I think this is relevant for Rangatahi who want to return back to whānau owned uh, whenua and are looking at what are some of the first steps, calling a whānau hui. Yeah. And I get what you mean is because the, that whānau hui might be the first time yeah. in 30, 50 years that some of those whānau members come together in the same room for the first time. Yeah. So we have to make it smell genuine, yeah. authentic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the wairua, yeah. everything Seeing where is the hui all, is all important yeah. um, to that because whānau can smell when there's some yeah. kind of dodginess going on or, yeah. you know, there's um, – yeah, so I, I totally uh, get what you mean by that. And so – and I think we have to be humble in yeah. our approach with whānau yeah. as well and allow them that time to vision and speak That's and it. for us to hear because sometimes they have trauma that they're bringing to right. the table, right? Right. Traumas can even be from the real world, just being um, sold to all the time. Everything's a sale these days. Every There's a sales, a snake, what do you call it? A salesman <laughs> selling snake oil everywhere. Yeah. So you got to remember, sometimes people say no the first time, the second, the third time. They say no, not because they're saying no to the idea. They're saying, um, they're, they're making sure they have a voice. Mm-hmm. So let them have a voice. But keep coming back methodically to ask them again. And you'll find sometimes people say no, 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 and then they go, okay. Just because you genuinely heard them without agenda. Mm. Um, And some people say that's too long, a year or two two years is too long to invest. Well, try, once you really annoy people and leave them out, try when they say no for good. And you can't go anywhere. So I say this is a good method, not just for papakainga, but also for general land. Mm. You know, if you need to use your auntie, uncles or mother and father's home as a deposit for a house, then hearing them out and hearing what their needs are and including that in the process is also very tactical and important. Absolutely. And I always say too, if if they're resistant, there's a reason, there's a genesis, there's a whakapapa. Right to that mamai or that trauma and so invest a bit of time don't probe but be respectful in your approach be humble yeah and you may find a way through right for some of our fun they're going to get a yes straight away you know yeah. but um which is great and so um work through that and if you get that kapai what is the next step yeah after whānau engagement let me just think on that one because the first something yeah. came to mind, and then I went, what is the next step? All right. Maybe if I put it in the context of a really simple deal, like um, buying your, uh, your first home and mum and dad are using their home as part of the deposit for to buy your house, right? Mm. Um, please don't rely on the whānau and the love as being enough formalize it it'll cost you six hundred dollars a thousand dollars extra to get a lawyer to write it down in what i call it uh, what they call a deed of agreement deed of family agreement um you'll know more about how to explain what those are um because you've got the legal background eh? yeah Yeah. a a bit but i think that's really important right 
Um, and it's about that getting that security, those insurances, yes. if we yes. formalize it. Um, you know, because I think, you know, again, and it goes back to our earlier point about risk mitigating. Yeah. If we need to invest that little bit more putia around getting these formal agreements written up, mm. it gives so much more clarity yes. um, to the process. Yeah. Um, because who knows, people change their minds all the time. Yeah. And, you know, if we rely on that aroha and it's not written down, then we could be faced with, mortgagee sale or yeah. um, someone's not upholding their side of the mortgage that's someone's it. not paying the rate so i think it's that's a really important point yeah and and actually the main loss is the relationship so i'm asking people to um, mitigate the risk of losing your whanau mm. um there's no amount of money a thousand bucks is so cheap when it means not falling out with the whānau later. Mm. And, and and the main reason what i ask people to put into those family deeds of agreement when they're doing any sort of co-ownership or co, co-buying, um, whether that's papakainga or general land, um, is saying if if things go wrong, if we have a fallout and one of us wants to move off with our new girlfriend and doesn't want to contribute to the mortgage anymore, what are we going to do? Mm. Because I often see that person who wants to leave come back and go, I want you all to sell it now because I want my money back so I can go off into this new relationship. Mm. And everybody's going, but we want to live here forever. Mm. This is our papakainga or this is our new home. We can't sell. So then everybody has to sell and is now displaced. And now they're all hating on each other. Mm. Whereas if you have an agreement that says, all right, if one of us changes our mind, we're going to give everybody notice. We're not going to force anybody to sell within any sooner than a year. The family who are in there are going to continue to pay the mortgage. And then we are going to talk about this with three hui in front of a lawyer at this time in this way. And we're going to pay the bills in this way. You know, like, just spell it out. How are you going to deal with a future problem if it comes up? Yeah. Future-proofing, risk-mitigating, and importance to to get legal advice you know mm. we can get so excited you know when we're sign, signing the you know what is it the title or you know we're signing those um finance papers yeah. or creating that trust you know we can tend to rush into things to get that instant gratification yeah. but if we just put in that time then we're ensuring the security of our future yeah. and risk mitigating so i think totally. that's really um important yeah um what would you say then is the next step? So then the next step, hmm. I and think in maybe we could touch context, on a little yeah. bit around finances. Yeah. How would Dangatahi or Fana go about getting uh, Putia or finance to oh, cool. um, see realize their their dreams for their okay. kainga? Well, uh, Pana, it's quite. I when I started going into this work. And I realized that when I was like, I'm a valuer, why are people, why are my people getting turned away? Um, often they were getting turned away. They, they put the, the, the um, they have the deposit, they make an offer on a house, they're getting a valuation audit. So I'm going out and valuing the house for them. And then they get turned down because they've either paid too much for the house or the bank goes and looks at their bank accounts and goes, oh, you earn enough money, you've got the deposit, but you've been spending too much money at KFC or the TAB. <laughs> and, and I've had people in the last 12 months be turned down because of the number of times they buy Uber Eats. Mm. Okay, So that's when I came up with the clean banking system of, of teaching financial literacy. It's There's a misconception out there that it's how much you earn and it's how much deposit you have those are two parts of it but the other part is your financial conduct your behavior of how you use money and most of the time people on very simple incomes middle to low incomes but who have really clean simple ways of managing their money they're the people that get approved for home loans um a lot of people who earn high incomes but don't have good habits because they're used to spending money to take mm. care of all the problems. You know, um, what I mean is buying takeaways doesn't look good to a bank. 
Mm. Um, when it's often like that. So really cleaning up your behaviour of how you um, conduct yourself in your bank accounts is something everybody can do and is a whole 30% of the whole process mm. of getting approved for finance to be able to buy a home or build. Yeah, because I remember through the course too when I took it, and I think it was last year, yeah. you, know, you mentioned how you should have um, a kitty there for savings, yeah. a kitty there for uh, entertainment or... Yeah. Um, you know, the fun things, um, limiting the amount of transactions. So yes. that even means that you've got to take a withdrawal, right, right. to do all those takeaway purchases. Do it like still. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's not reflected. And make sure, too, that your bank account, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. it's going up when it's not going down. Correct. So do you know many people who have saved money for their deposit, like 50 grand, and have saved that amount of money? Or did it come from KiwiSaver? I would say KiwiSaver. Right. I can say no one saves the money to buy their houses anymore. There will be some, but most don't. And that's because the amounts you need are way too large. They're higher than we could save from our average incomes. So the purpose of saving is not actually to save for your deposit. So I've asked people to, uh, in my system of doing things, save $5 a week and no more. Because what I want, what the bank wants to see is that you can save and never pull it out, right? It's not the amount of money. So many people put away $200, $500 a week and then pull it all out every two months for the warrant of fitness. That's not savings. Mm. That's not savings. That's parking your money for expenses, but it's not savings. Savings for a bank is it goes in one direction. You're showing that you can do something for long term and not pull the money back out again. Mm. So if $5 is that amount or $10 is that amount, it needs to be something that doesn't be that you won't reverse because you don't miss it. Then take all the rest of your money that you would normally put towards savings, pretend savings, because you know, withdrawing yeah. it again is not savings, and take it and put it towards debt. Because the debt is costing you more than your savings will ever earn you. Mm. So momo time to put it in the way. Yeah. Mm. Simple, but most people miss that point of how to save properly. It needs to always go up with no withdrawals. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I you touched on another important too, Kiwi Saver. Yeah. Like I fell into the um fallacy or um I don't know, I, I underappreciated Kiwi Saver, you yeah. know, and I went on this Kiwi Saver holiday, you know, and, and um, for years, yeah. you know, and I don't know if other, you know, Rangatahi or Fano have gone down that route, but I remember comparing when me and my Tani went in to buy our whenua, I had something like below 10,000, but he was mm. well above like 20, 30. Yeah. And I just had thought, man, if I had not gone on that contribution holiday and just continue. Um, contributing to KiwiSaver, I wouldn't have had to hustle as much as I did to get that deposit <laughs> to purchase our whenua. So can you explain to our listeners the importance yeah. of KiwiSaver? Yeah, kapoi. So uh, I'm, I'm on both sides too because I'm a bit of a sovereigntist in that. Yeah. Um, I'm more <laughs> like, no, you're not getting my money. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm one of those. But as far as a practical step towards home ownership in this country, KiwiSaver is very important because we can't save mm. the amount that we need. Uh, KiwiSaver investments like that um, allow us to balloon the money we put in, you know, mm. thinking about it like this. So you put in your amount, then your employer has to put in some, and then the government puts in a little bit as well. Then on top of that, if the people who are holding your money, the KiwiSaver entity, are doing their job well, then it increases faster, like it might double, it might increase by 10%, it might increase by 20%. Sometimes it goes backwards as well. Mm. One of the um, things that I like the most is to tell people that you can use more than one person's KiwiSaver to buy a home. So, you know, like let's say you got $800,000 for a property and what's it? 20% of that is 160,000. And someone says, I've only got 30 or I've only got 20. But, or 10% would be 80,000. Mm. Yeah. But if you have three of you 
and you each have 20,000 or 15,000, one might have 40,000, another might have 20, you have something like 70 or $80,000 amongst three. There's four or five of you, you put all your balances together and it actually starts to equal quite a sizable amount of money towards the deposit. And then on top of that, you also have those extras, you know, the grants, you can get somewhere between three to $5,000 per person. Mm. If you've been in a member for three to five years and contributing for three, 36 months actually, 36 months um, to 60 months of contributions, you get extra money from the government. So say there's three of you and each of you are entitled to $3,000, you're getting another $9,000 on Mm. top of your KiwiSaver amounts. Does that make sense? So you you quickly are able to build the deposit you need to buy your first home as a collective group. And that's a really important pathway for rangatahi to consider. Mm. It's not just for husbands and wives. It's for um, individuals. Mm. Just find your right team. Yeah, who can come together, do that Mm. collective um, home ownership model. Or not. Maybe there's an agreement there that you can put where you might pay back that balance at a later yeah. date just so you can secure that party now but you know, there's also so many benefits in collective home ownership right yes. if you get those agreements formalized and get those That's insurances it. in place yeah. for um risk mitigating yes. um, purposes and for those rangatahi who like me opted out of um kiwi saver went on a contribution holiday because i didn't see the value uh in uh, contributing to KiwiSaver because at the time when I opted out I didn't have that vision of owning yeah. um, a kainga in the future because it just wasn't something that my whanau did you know yeah. we came from a long line of renters yeah. and so when I realized and I got to that point where I was like no I'm going to buy this kainga and I looked at my KiwiSaver and compared that to my partners and I was like holy crap it was like <laughs> 20 dollars less um there's value in yeah. uh, KiwiSaver uh, from my lived experience. So, totally. um, and, and two, when my nieces and nephews are opting out at yeah. a young age, I, I try to encourage them. Oh, I, I say for first homeowners, uh, for people who haven't owned their own home, it's essential. I say KiwiSaver is a really good scheme. And remember, it won't, it doesn't necessarily, we're not guaranteed it'll be here. For always, if a government decides they no longer want to contribute to this and it's no longer compulsory or we can't use it for buying our first homes, that can change. So we we should make the most of it now. And make the most of it from your first job. Imagine if you start when you're 15 and then by the time you're 18, you're buying your first home Mm. with a couple of mates or with mum and dad. Yeah? Yeah. Like the potential, right? The potential. Yeah. So from the time you are a member, which could be a childhood Kiwi saver or you're 15 years old, your first job, um, if you start now and invest that three years of money that you're not going to miss, really, mm. by the time you're 18, 20, 21, you could, be, you could be ready to have some small deposit to buy your first home. Oh, absolutely. Great. So keep, we touch on KiwiSaver, um, collective home ownership, um, some of the steps too towards achieving your papakainga uh, aspirations, namely engaging with whānau and um, importance to, of uh, having good, clean um, financial yeah. Um, banking, yeah, whatever it is. What would you then say is the next step? Oh, this is okay. Adjust your ideas. Adjust what your people think that buying your first property is buying your home or buying like I don't, what do I mean? You're you're buying to get into a world that closes on you very quickly. You're not buying your dream home. You're not drop buying your um forever home necessarily so yeah you might be buying with three others or three other whānau members or three friends and you're living in a two-bedroom or three-bedroom and it's like not quite perfect but again once you move into your home a property and at the rate that it increases in value which is called the capital gain that's what you can use to buy the next home but if you stay on the outside of home ownership and never get into it in the first place you'll I don't 
like to use the word never, but you're going to find it very difficult to save money at the rate that properties go up in value. Mm. You know what I mean? You'll save money, even if you save 20000 a year, um, properties increase in value by probably 50000 a year. Wow. So you're getting further and further away. Mm. So get in as a matter of principle. Get in because this is what you, this is what every other culture that gets ahead does. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Don't don't buy your perfect house. Yeah. Yeah. It goes along the lines of do the mahi earn the treats, you know. Yeah. If we have to make small sacrifices for the yeah. greater gain, yeah. then, you know, can be fruitful. That's it. I'll give you an example, actually, from my own lived experience. So I'd come through separation and, like, not trying to be dramatic, but there is a time when you come through that where you feel like you've lost everything. Mm. Um, and I was lucky to have some skills. This was about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. I'm lucky I have property skills. So I had no money, I had no home, and I had my two kids. And I just had this awesome idea, eh? Oh, I'll leave the mainstream valuation industry and start my own business. Mm. Like, that's not... <laughs> they kind of don't go together with being smart. Um, but I, I bought myself... Um, a shop that had a two-bedroom apartment at the back of it. And I managed to, using my knowledge, get the owners who were a credit union to sell it to me. I got them to give me the deposit. And then I got them to give me the finance as well. Um, So I went in with no money into my first home and lived at the back. But at the back, there was no hot water. And it had been locked up for about five years. So it was manky. It was not smelling good. And people were saying, that's not healthy, a healthy way to raise two children. And I remember thinking, but it's ours. Mm. And that's healthy for us. Yeah. I, as a single mother, Maori woman in this country, I own the land that I raise my children in. Mm. And that, I bought it for 230000 And I think I had it valued Six months later, by doing it up a bit and putting a lease in the shop at the front, I was worth four hundred and fifty or four hundred and sixty thousand. Wow. Six months later, so on paper, I've made double my money. Yeah, and from there, I just was able to buy the next property and stuff like that. Wow. So that's an example of don't buy what you can afford and get in, mm. and then use the capital gain. Amazing to move on. Um. One of the things um, that we haven't necessarily talked about a lot on the, this podcast is probably about property investments. You know, yeah. a lot of the conversations we've had about securing home ownership, um, and so that I, lo- I love that you touched on, uh, you know, the opportunities uh, through capital gains, through investments to build um, our portfolios yeah. or to provide opportunities. Um, What would you say um, to rangatahi to encourage them or uh, things that they should be aware of if they've got their first buddy Mm. and they're looking for the next step? You need to put time into it. Time, thinking is investment okay um some people have a job and then they have another job and another job and keep themselves completely busy but finding opportunities including investment opportunities you actually need to carve out time to sit and think how i do that and did that um as i will look at real estate uh, realestate.co.nz every week it's a habit of mine mm-hmm. every week. And I study it. You do not have to have a degree to be able to understand investment. Investment is simple. I take money that I would ordinarily spend on takeaways and having a good time. And instead, I put it into something constructive, a property, an investment, things like that. But it actually takes time to think and to plan for that investment. And that might be as simple as getting into your first home and then investing an hour or two every week where you look at what other opportunities are out there. Mm. Um, And you might find, I found a block of land, 1.4 hectare, 
for $65,000 in the middle of Rotorua. Mm. I sold that. I sold that. And hence, I'm able to be quite comfortable now. 1.4 hectares, just for everybody, is like, um, I think they're putting 35 or 40 houses on there, the developers that I sold it to. Yeah, so I went from being a poor, struggling mum with a new business and two kids that everybody was like, you can't raise kids with no hot water, to I found 65,000. Well, they were selling it for 115. I negotiated it down to 65. Again, you have to invest time. You, you can't get miracles out of two hours at the end of the week. I took two days a week to sit there and think about things and look up for opportunities that others are missing because they're busy doing other stuff. Creating them, right? Not yeah. expecting them to just fall on our No, lives. miracles no. don't actually happen <laughs> in investment and property. Yeah. It's called studying the market. Yeah. And I love that you touched on creating good habits, mm. right? And checking realestate.co.nz weekly um putting aside the takeaways uh and getting our our statements nice and clean is about creating those habits and what do they say it takes 21 days um, to to create a habit but um to break a habit but seven to get one so if i know if you can invest the time into creating good habits yeah again can be fruitful um what are what do you think are some of the challenges that Rangatahi are facing uh, in our current context here in Aotearoa today, post COVID? Um, yeah. You know, looking at high um, interest rates and all the pressures. Uh, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that Rangatahi are facing to secure adequate housing? Mm. I think, I'm going to say something, I don't mean for it to be controversial, but um, one of the challenges is just there's somehow, somehow there seems to be a blanket belief that home ownership isn't affordable. I'm not sure where it came from. I think it, I feel it comes from, so I don't watch TV. So that nothing pollutes. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm one of those <laughs> oh, ones. Yeah. I'm like, I don't watch TV so that nobody can sort of plant any ideas in my head. Because somehow people believe that it's not affordable and everything. But I challenge everybody to think four years ago when it was about half the price of what it is now, mm. did people still thought it was unaffordable then. And they were still on the bed on the same pay as they are now. Mm. So the reality is. Our homelessness and our home ownership stats hasn't come about because of the price of something. It's because of how we've been, they've managed to make us believe a certain thing. It's a mindset thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's almost like we've been conditioned. Conditioned, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I don't mean to say it like this, but I feel like it comes from in school. Yeah. And from in our education, they prepare us to be workers. Mm. And I respect thy work. So I'm saying simple work is important. Jobs are important, but they're not actually what gives you wealth. Mm. So you have a job, it's part of the equation. What gives you wealth is the thinking, mm. vesting time, um, and then having other strategies. But that's the main challenge. Somehow we've been conditioned to believe that we are to be tenants. Yeah. I don't know if that was... Um, useful oh absolutely you know and i think back to some of the subliminal messaging Mm. throughout the history of colonization here in aotearoa you know that we've been made to believe that we're tenants in our own on our own venue yeah uh and two we come a lot of us struggle with this poverty mindset as well and a lot of our other rangatai have touched on um you know uh some of the you know what do you call them, stereotypes that they face in the housing market mm. and, uh, you know, through tenancies and things like that. And um, it's it all stems back to, you know, colonisation, you know, yeah. intergenerational trauma and, and habits. Uh, yeah. And so if we, you know, rangatahi out there who are listening, if we can break through yeah. those habits, you know, and realise our potential, yes. like you explained, and, and, and stand in our right to, 
to be uh, exercised along our tiratanga manamotu haki on our whenua, be the owners, the kaitiaki. Yeah. Yeah. And and realise that um, being connected to whenua, as a as tangata whenua, as a um, Māori person or a Pacifica person of the, the, um, the islands out there, that is investment, that is wealth. So when you think about that and you're, you're going into it by connecting to your tupuna, it doesn't matter where you buy. And if you, because, because you're practicing tangata whenuatanga, right? Mm. So I look at Murupara, for example. Um, so for every child of mine, they have a, a home, a property that I buy that is when they turn 18 to 21, I'll use that for them as their wow. deposit. For another home so my last baby he's one now and mm-hmm. i had the good fortune of having some cash around and i was like well we went and we bought a block of for cash and so when people were saying it's unaffordable it's impossible i bought that block for fifty thousand right. from the queen herself it says the yeah. and i was like oh my gosh i brought back my whenua from the queen um fifty thousand hashtag lambax <laughs> through one quarter acre at a time um. yeah um, but my son now has allocated to him a quarter acre block for when he turns 18. Now, everybody goes, I don't want to live there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, then pay you $800 a week rent. Mm-hmm. All good. Yeah. You know, so we just have to go, well, which, what is our value and push forward into home ownership and investment through your values yeah. rather than just what people are telling you is good investment, which is that suburb's not good, that that township's not good. No, no, as a Māori person in this country, every whenua that you connect to is good. Right. Yeah, and you might have to move out of town for a little bit. Yeah. But jobs are online these days anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All good, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, then so important, right, because I think we undermine too the value of home ownership or securing kainga to our well-being. Yeah. You know, being connected to our whenua, having yeah. mana motuhake ranga tiratanga and the benefits to that, you know, independence yeah. through home ownership brings us and how that's important to our health and yes. our well-being. You are wealthy mm. once you are connected to whenua. Yeah. I love that. Um, what is your vision for your whānau, hapu, marae or iwi in terms of housing? Um, my vision is whenua first, the whare second. So my vision is that every one of my children, my, that my mokopuna will never be tenants. That is something that I'm planning for. And everybody's like, oh, how many mokopuna do you have? I was like, none. <laughs> <laughs> none. Yeah. This is forward planning. I'm oh, mitigating yeah. the risks yeah. that my children might get entrenched in the thinking that they're someone's tenant. They're not, we're not born to be anyone's tenants, but I've actually heard that. Mm. I've heard people need us to stay tenants so that they can be wealthy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hence the reason I got out of the you know industry. I was like, I can't listen to this. Mm. toxic. And it's normal talk. So my vision is that my mokopuna, my mokopuna's cousins, my mokopuna's, you know, aunties, uncles will not be tenants. And that may not look glamorous, but they will be connected to whenua. The, the land they are standing on in that future, they have manamotuhake. Mm. And then we might be in tiny houses, but the, that's fine. Life is... Life is life. It's on. It's an experience you have because you are in charge of your destiny. Mm. Yeah? yeah? So th- that's my vision. Now, if everybody is living in whare on our whenua for my hapu and my marae and my iwi, that's amazing too. Mm. You know, but I find some of the most happiest people don't live in the kind of houses that we have in the suburbs. Mm. In the small living, sustainable living on whenua Māori and they have joy and empowered because mm. underneath them is their connection yeah. to their identity. Yeah. I hope that yeah, kind they're of answers. Yeah, they're right? Yeah. It's a completely different living experience. Yeah. And I see some of the social issues that particularly rangatahi face. Yeah. And especially here in Tamaki Makoto, where I reside, where my tūranga waiwai is, I believe that a lot of our... Um, challenges that rangatahi face stem from disconnection to whenua, yeah. lack of senses of place and belonging mm. and identity. And we've just spoken about today 
now Cordino about how home ownership, how living on your kainga can give you that security, mm. that that sense of um, place and belonging, which ultimately um, create greater senses of well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to intergenerational wealth. Yes. You know? Te rohanga Māori, always looking forward to the 100, 200-year vision, you know, and, and a lot of our global Indigenous communities say we're looking forward to the seventh generations, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I love that um, you have that vision for your mokopuna, menga um, uri whakatupu. And we're drawing to a close in our kōrero, and I think our last question is, what is your vision then for housing I truly believe they can all own their own homes by 18. And that that should be a normal practice. Mm. That's by the fifth form. Well, what's fifth form now? Shame. Year 11. Year 11. Yeah. <laughs> by year 11, mm. you're grouping yourselves amongst your cousins, your siblings, or your schoolmates to figure out who, by the time you're 18, you're going to buy with. Or who, by the time you're 18, you're going to build your first whare with. Yeah. That's my vision. That's mm. normalised. Because mm. I have literally been around cultures where it is normal. Mm. It is normal for them to talk around the kai table. So your job on your weekends, how are you investing and how are you saving that money? You have three years before you're going to buy your home. Because you have to have your Kiwi saver in there for at least three years and be 18 before you can pull it out to buy a home. So I hear Conversations around the kai table like that. So I'd love that to be our conversations around the kai table in our homes. It's who you, who are you planning to buy with? That cousin, you got your agreement going? Okay, we'll go into, I'll take you to the lawyer. We'll write that up and we'll get you your pre-approval over the next 12 months. We'll practice clean banking, get you a pre-approval for your first home. And um, yeah, oh, you need three of you. You need four of you to buy. Okay, kapoi. Mm. But it's like a no-stress conversation. Mm. That's what I want. I love that. And mm. how do you think, and I think this is my last question, how do you think then we're going to actualise that? So, I've got an idea. Yes, I've got an idea too. Yeah, 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 I idea. Idea, yes. Yeah. So I am, um, I'll just speak for myself because I know there's heaps of different ideas out there, but I've been trying to package and put together my um, program and I want to offer it to Kurukaupapa Māori mm. so that it's normal in there from the third, not year nine yes. onwards and just make it free. Just be like, here, auntie, just put it in your school yeah. so that yeah. it's just free. It's and part, it's of, part of um, it. Te Ahomatua, yeah. part of the NCA curriculum. Yeah. I, and if people say, why don't you want to put it in mainstream? It's not that I don't. It's just that that way I can guarantee it is flooding it is flooded with, um, the approach is being flooded with rangatahi Māori. I want it for all rangatahi, but we have a responsibility eh, to take care of a realistic slice of society first. Oh. Uh, that's for me anyway. Mm. Um, but I'm also the mother of um, a new AM, my son who's mm. new AM, Cook Island, Tahitian. So for me, it's also about him connecting back to his whenua in mm. the islands as well. Um, so I'll probably... I'll say okay. Have you buy a party then? Yeah, yeah, buy a party there. Yeah, but that's what I think. But I think you've got something along those lines too. No, no, idea. you took it. You took the words oh, out of my mouth. I think it's. I think we have to start with our kura kaupapa, yeah, yeah. Um, and and normalize it. Normalize it. And to do that, we have to radicalize the education system. Yes. To do that, or get our um, kura and, and schools to to realize the importance. Of that, and I think it's timely too with the mm. conversations around Aotearoa histories and yeah, the the ministry being open um to these whakaro. But it goes home ownership should align with politics. Yep. Should all be uh, learning how to vote and en engage in civics at Kuna, but also um, financial literacy. Yes, 
Yeah. Well, and changing a tire. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> changing a tire. Skills, right? Yeah. Those real life skills. Yes, we should be flooding that space with real life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started seeing moko kauai popping up in the kura, and I'm like, yes, cool. It's becoming a normal thing. So conversations about our money and our wealth, um, because we are allowed to have it. Mm-hmm. It'd be awesome to see that at school too. Aye. Beautiful. And I think that brings us to a nice um, close. Joyce. Thank you so much, oh, Edipua. Thank you, Paula, for um, having me. Your matauranga uh, has been so invaluable. So thank you for sharing your time. And I'm sure the listeners too have appreciated those nuggets, those tips, those um, real life experiences uh that you've your that you've drawn on i've heard um you know the need to hustle um to, the need to be methodical in our approach to um, home ownership and papakainga um, initiatives don't rely on love alone um be strategic put in place those contracts to risk mitigate for any issues that may be um, foreseen in the future Take a principled approach. Yeah. You know, and we've got so many tangas um, that we can draw upon and um, to ensure that we are being tika and puno and our approach is a principled one. Create good habits. Yeah. Get on realestate.co.nz if you need to, two hours every week. Um, create good money habits. Um, create good habits with your whanau yeah. um, to keep them engaged. Um, teach the next generations, create intergenerational wealth. Don't be afraid to invest. Do the mahi, earn the treats. And if you have to sacrifice, make sure it's for greater gain. And these are just some of the kōrero and nuggets that I've, I've um, written down here um, to reflect back on our kōrero. And for you all that are listening, Fano, if you haven't gone over to the Indigeneity um, site, I encourage you to go over and have a look. Jump on one of the courses. I highly recommend the clean banking course for those whānau who are looking at pursuing home ownership. Um, but ha- if you have already, um, great. I'd encourage those who haven't to jump on the Par Girl Millionaire Collection. <laughs> <laughs> that was true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. Right? Yeah. Um, but thank you so much all of you for listening um, to our ipaho, uh, our podcast, um, He Whare Mōwai. Kia kaha, kia maya, kia manawa nui, ki roto i o koutou mahi, o arahi ki te whai kainga, a mauriora kia koutou katoa. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a disclaimer from us. We are no housing experts. However, we are passionate about supporting rangatahi to secure safe, adequate and healthy homes.